Hello, and thank you for listening. We're in Psalms chapter number six today. Psalm six, the Bible says, O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak, O Lord. Heal me, for my bones are vexed. My soul is also sore vexed. But thou, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, deliver my soul. O save me for thy mercy's sake. For in death there is no remembrance of thee. In the grave who shall give thee thanks? I am weary with my groaning. All the night make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. Mine eye is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of all mine enemies. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. For the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Let all mine enemies be ashamed and sore vexed. Let them return and be ashamed suddenly. I'd like to encourage you today on the subject of prayer. Do you pray? And if you do, how do you pray? As I look across America, look across the world, we've got a big problem. We've got a big sin problem. But we know from the pattern in Scripture that if believers will have any impact on the world around them, it will begin through prayer. We need a revival of prayer among Christians. Really, I say we need a revival of prayer. A revival of prayer is a revival. And I'd like to give you two helpful pointers on how to help your prayer life. First of all, as we see from this psalm here, David really understood who he was talking to. So when we go to God in prayer, we need to first understand who we're talking to. Now, in the first four verses of Psalm 6, if you happen to be at your dining room table, your kitchen table, you've got your Bible open, you'll see this, that in the first four verses of Psalm 6, you see, O Lord... Uh, five times. And Lord is in all capital letters. Now you only see that in the Old Testament, Lord in all capital letters. And I bet there's somebody listening to me right now that has wondered, excuse me, why uh, Lord is sometimes in all capital letters. Well, I'll tell you why. When it's in all capital letters in the Old Testament, that was the translator's way of explaining, communicating to us what name of God specifically was in the text there. And when Lord is in all capital letters, that is the name of God, the name Jehovah, Jehovah. And there's a lot we could say about that, but Jehovah means I am or the self-existent one. It's his covenant name. Uh, When you see Lord in all capital letters, that precious, holy name was highly regarded by the scribes. Uh, those who were responsible for copying out the biblical manuscripts. And let me tell you what they would do before they would write that precious name. Before they would write that name, they would take a bath. They would change their clothes. And once they had begun writing the name, not even the king himself, were he to walk in the room, would interrupt them. It's his covenant name. It's a reminder to us that God keeps his promises. It would be appropriate and accurate as you read the Bible 
when you see that name, Lord, in all capital letters, you could just think in your mind, the God who keeps his promises. It really uh, illuminates the scripture as you notice that. Jehovah, that I am God who keeps his promises, it's the name God revealed to Moses in Exodus chapter 3. Do you remember that when Moses was out there in the wilderness and then God revealed himself to Moses in a burning bush? Well, he communicated to Moses that he was to go to Pharaoh, he was to go to Israel, who was under captivity in Egypt, and he was to lead Israel out. And Moses was concerned with having to demand an audience with Pharaoh and to say that he was also concerned, though, with trying to get Israel to follow him. I'll read to you Exodus 3. Verses 13 and 14, the Bible says, And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. God was saying, I am the self-existent one. I am the all-sufficient one. I am the God who keeps his promises. I simply am. I am. So when you go to God in prayer, go to God like David went to God. I'll read it again. The, just the first four verses. Notice all the times he says, O Lord. He says, O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me. For my bones are vexed. My soul is also sore vexed. But thou, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord. Deliver my soul, O save me for thy mercy's sake. You see, David really knew he was talking to the God of the universe. He was talking to the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, the God who keeps his promises. And David is crying out to God. When you go to God in prayer, do you realize who you're talking to? Or is it some uh, flippant, nonchalant, casual approach? We do come boldly, but we do come humbly at the same time. And we come worshipfully. So you got to understand who you're talking to. And then when you go to God, really talk to God. Something I notice about those five times in the first four verses, he says, O Lord, is that the O is right in front of Lord. He was passionately, sincerely calling out to the Lord. The Welsh revival lasted from 1904 to 1905. During that time, over 100,000 people got saved. Now, we certainly need that in our world today. In every pocket of the globe, we need revival. Yes, even in Henderson County, North Carolina, in Western North Carolina, we desperately need revival. But the salvation of lost souls is not the first step in revival. What always proceeds is that believers get thoroughly right with God. I mentioned the Welsh revival because one observer of that revival said that a mark that revival had come in the churches was that, quote, the O returned to the prayers. They weren't playing church anymore. No tradition, no common rehearsed prayers. They got serious with God. When they talked to God, they knew who they were talking to, and they really talked to him. 
And David was praying. He was sick physically. Verse two said, uh, my bones are vexed. He was sick spiritually. Verse three says, my soul is vexed. But he didn't ask for help based on his own merit, but on the merit of the mercy of God. Verse four, he says, deliver my soul, O save me for thy mercy's sake. He said, deliver me so I can continue to praise you. Verse five, for in death, there's no remembrance of thee. In the grave, who shall give thee thanks? He said, if I'm a dead man, I won't be able to praise you to other people anymore. Verse six, I'm weary with my groaning. All the night make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. You ever been there? You ever cried all night? You ever felt like you can't do anything else but cry? Verse seven, mine eye is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of all mine enemies. Maybe your health is failing because of stress, because of anxiety, because of grief. And can I just say right now, if you're in that place, not to discourage you, but to maybe uh, turn your eyes upon Jesus, I wonder if sometimes God brings us to these moments in our lives, the real desperate moments, the moments where when we pray, we have to say, oh Lord because it's the only avenue we have left. I wonder if he brings us to those moments sometimes so we'll finally really turn to him. We'll really see our true need of him. I've heard of people who were at their lowest point in life and then they finally understood their need of a savior, their real need, their true need, really their, their only need, their first and foremost need is the need of a savior. Verse eight, depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity, for the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. Hey, there's that faith. He said, I know God has heard my prayer. Verse nine, the Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Let all mine enemies be ashamed and sore vexed. Let them return and be ashamed suddenly. It's really that, that paradigm, that, that uh, two sides of the same coin where God does hate sin. God does judge sin, but he does listen to the sinner when he prays in faith and he asks God for forgiveness. I think of Romans 1.18 coupled with Romans 5.8. Romans 1.18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. God hates sin. But then a little while later, Romans 5.8, based on the blood of Jesus, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Yes, God hates sin, but he loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for your sins and rise again so that you could have the gift of eternal life. Would you get overwhelmed with that truth today? Would you pray to the God of the universe today? And would you really pray? Christian, do you pray? If you do, how do you pray? Do you understand who it is you're talking to and is it real? Is it sincere? And hey, if you're not saved today, you're not born again, you're not a Christian, you don't remember the time your life changed, you received Jesus Christ by faith as your Savior, the greatest prayer you'll ever pray is the one God has been waiting your whole life to hear. Simply understand that you're a sinner, that Christ died and rose again to save you, and call out to God to receive the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you'd give the listener a great day today. We love you, Lord. Help us to be people of prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.